Welcome to the kickoff. My name is Christopher Edwards. Today is January 13th. Today, um, recorded this on January 2nd. It's a Colts deep dive into the season that just finished up for them, not making the playoffs, obviously. Um, we hint a little bit at the offseason. We go more into this season than uh, we do the offseason, quite honestly. And then uh, we hit a few notes with Chris Ballard and uh, Eric Ebron. A um, few notable things there, obvious quarterback questions, and uh, we just roll on through that with Derek Larger of Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Excited to have him on, on in the future as well. Great listen. Go ahead and listen to his podcast. Obviously, this one it was fantastic to have him on. And this week, we'll just keep rolling out pods with the podcast network launching today. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's all we got for today. Like I said, recorded January 2nd. Um, nothing's really changed for the Colts except uh, their D-line coach was hired away to the Panthers today. He'll join Matt Rule's staff. But other than that, obviously nothing with the Colts. Um, decided it'd be a great start to upload that with Derek and uh, so excited. For that, go ahead and uh, follow us on Instagram, The Zone Press, um, Faster Than Bleacher Report, ESPN, all your sports accounts. Um, we're always the first one on it. Our uh, design team, they do a great job. Go ahead and follow there and subscribe, rate, and view to the podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the kickoff. Today is January 2nd. We've got Derek Larger joining me today with Bring the Juice, the Colts podcast. Derek, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on today. No problem. Excited to get going with you. We'll be talking a lot of Colts here on this episode. We'll dive right in. Big headlines today with the Chris Ballard press conference. Um, we'll go with that and we'll go with thoughts from this season, some needs to address the big offseason ahead for the Colts. Initially, what are your takeaways from this season? Well, obviously, seven and nine record, not exactly what we all had in mind coming into this season. But obviously, some very unfortunate chain of events <laughs> happened that we won't try to go into that much. But, you know, and obviously the injuries were a main concern for especially this offense and this wide receiver group this season. And obviously, when you have a young and somewhat inexperienced quarterback and he's trying to get comfortable into a new system and a new role and your wide receivers can't stay healthy or are inconsistent at most of the season, that certainly doesn't help. And, you know, we all had a little bit more confidence in Jacoby Brissett coming into this season, uh, being, you know, the first team guy through all of training camp and the entire offseason, kind of expected him to be a little bit more on pace with his receivers. But obviously he got injured midway through the season and, whether or not the reports are true that, you know, his that injury really made him suffer with everything. Uh, that's a whole nother issue. But, you know, again, it, it was really disheartening on offense to say the least. But it was one thing you could definitely say was a good thing about this offense this year was definitely the offensive line and the increase in the run game. It was really nice to see the Colts do what they said they wanted to go out and do, which was run the football, and that's what they did primarily well this year. 
And the defense, through its many struggles, had a lot of really good games that, you know, a lot of, obviously didn't really show on film. But when you look at everything else, uh, they had some injuries early in the season as well, but a lot of new faces to have to implement into the system, which, you know, will obviously bring its growing pains. Us Colts fans have certainly had a lot of those. You know, you had Rocky Sin, Kahari Willis, Bobby Okariki, and a few other guys on the defensive line have to get implemented. And unfortunately, Kamiko Ture had to go down with an injury as well when he was doing so well early. But, you know, I, I after, through all thick and thin of this, I am very excited to see where the direction of this team is headed. Ballard said it that I have lost no confidence in the direction that this team is headed. Uh, we know what we're made of. We know what we're capable of. We just need to continue to get better. And, you know, we're still a young team, still a rebuilding team. Uh, the Andrew Luck retirement kind of set us back even farther. So we just kind of have to take it with a grain of salt and get back into the lab and just continue to get better. But overall, like I said, it's a disappointing to say the least with the record wise, but I am still faithful and optimistic and I still do love this Colts team. And I think they're going to be even better next year. Agreed. I think they'll do better next year. Obviously I think that was well said. And one of my takeaways from what you said is that Ballard said it as well is that they're still a really building team. So it can get lost in mm -hmm. perspective with luck having the years he has in years past and just not necessarily caring, but bringing a roster that doesn't match up to his skill level and bringing it to where it was. And to finish seven and nine this year, I think is a positive that they can take away that can get lost in perspective sometime. But um, you mentioned the comfortability with the wide receivers and Brissett and his confidence. What do you see there? What do you th think going forward with Brissett? That is going to be the age old question until we, first off, until we actually see what, the Colts do this offseason and then what they do in the draft and then ultimately what they do in training camp. Obviously, Ballard mentioned how right now Jacoby Brissett is the starter. I wouldn't I wouldn't see any other answer besides that. I mean, who's he going to say? Is it Jack Kelly? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, no, he's not doing that. Uh, he certainly hasn't talked to any other quarterbacks in around the NFL right now. So obviously he's going to say Brissett right now. Cause that's the only guy we have right now, yeah. but you know, like, like I said, the, it, it is very important for a quarterback and a wide receiver to have that chemistry and that balance. And like I said, T Y Hilton missing five to six games this year, Tevin Funches being out immediately in the first game and never coming back. Paris Campbell being healthy for probably a grand total of about five quarters of football all season. And, you know, Zach Pascal having to come in and do what he did. Uh, it, it, remarkable job for a guy that, you know, is a, a very low guarded wide receiver by some people. We were questioning whether or not he was actually going to make the roster. I'm sure glad he did from the season that he had, but you know, it's, it's really difficult for that. And when you don't have chemistry with those guys and you lose all of them, it, it becomes even more difficult. Andrew Luck's stats would have dropped off considerably too had he been in that spot and those wide receivers continue to get hurt. And obviously everyone was talking about the knee and everything else, but uh, I'll tell you what, I, I'm currently working on an article for who I believe 
the Colts should go for in quarterbacks in this draft. And I did mention how, if anyone has followed me on Twitter, has known that my love for Justin Herbert has been growing exponentially over the last few days. I, I would love to see him uh, in Indianapolis, but the more I just keep thinking about it, the more I think that he's not going to make it to us because there's about three or four teams in front of us that need a quarterback. And I don't think, I mean, obviously Joe Burrow's going to Cincinnati. That's a no brainer. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, depending on to, if Tua even declares, if Tua does declare, I still don't know if he goes before Herbert. I guess it all depends on how they do at the combine, but I, I I really like everyone else. And I think Ballard knows this too. He just doesn't want to say it that this is a team that is looking to move on from Jacoby Brissett. Cause you saw what he did this year. He was average at best on average throughout this year. So you know, you can't win a lot of football games that way. You certainly can't win championships very often and uh, with that kind of quarterback play, especially nowadays with how offenses run. So, you know, I, I, I appreciate Brissett, and I, I keep saying this on uh, Bring the Juice podcast. I've always said how I hate to trounce Jacoby Brissett because of the man he is and the leader that he is. I mean, I, I feel bad for even mentioning how I don't like how he plays just because of how such of a good person he is. But, you know, I have to be completely honest with my statements and just say there are a lot of other things the Colts could do better with at quarterback. And I hope that the Colts take very much into consideration getting a quarterback in the first round this this next year's draft because I really think we need it. Agreed. I think they will do that. and. Ballard, I mean, one of the best GMs in the game. I hold him in that regard. I assume you do too. Um, yes. He'll do his du- his due diligence there and uh, finding out what he thinks. And I don't think he'll be afraid to move up for a quarterback that he falls in love with if he does so. Yep. Um, they're five and two start start the season. We'll go back. We'll backtrack a little bit. They began the season five and two. Looked like they were gonna continue strong in their season with Brissett and. Following that stretch, they go four and seven, five and seven, lose. They lose two of their last seven games, two of their last nine. The wins were not far in between the last 16 games following uh, following that five and two stretch. So what did you see after that? What were your big takeaways? Okay, so are we talking about the five and two stretch five and two, or are we talking yeah. the five, five and two, and two stretch oh. going into where their season just fell out of favor? Well, I mean, let's be let's be real here. The two biggest games that Jacoby Brissett had all season came in those first seven games. He had the that three hundred and ten yard passing game with two touchdowns against the Atlanta Falcons, and he had that three that four touchdown three hundred and twenty five yard game against the Texans. I mean, when you're throwing up those kinds of numbers, you're going to win more times than you're going to lose. And obviously add that to the Colts with their run game uh, in a couple of those games. It was phenomenal. I mean, Marlon Mack in the first two games of the season was on pace to uh, get over 1500 yards on the season. So 
he was off to a hot start. And Brissett obviously had the health of his wide receivers for most of that time too. (laughs) And the defense, even despite the numerous injuries, you had Malik Hooker out for a few games. And then Darius Leonard, we all know, went out on those three games with his concussion and then came back against the Texans. There was... There's multiple games in that early part of the season where the Colts had a relatively favorable schedule. And, you know, when they beat Kansas City, they they got the fortune of Patrick Mahomes also not being 100% and them not having their elite wide receivers as well. So it was kind of a, you know, the better of two evils here. Yeah but the Colts were able to beat them in the way that the chiefs couldn't. And that was just smash mouth football, the way it was meant to be played. And I loved it. Uh, I was as hyped as every other Colts fan was that night. And, you know, it, it felt like we were on top of the world. And then, you know, we were getting away with Brissett, not throwing touchdowns and throwing those 150 yard games because of our run attack and because of our defense being able to limit the other teams that we were playing. But obviously uh, things went for a turn for the worst there, but obviously if we're sticking to this seven early seven game stretch, yeah, Jacoby Brissett had two games in that stretch where he looked like a franchise quarterback and he outdid the two quarterbacks he was playing in those games as well. The Colts, obviously, their offensive line being in the top three best offensive lines in football and being able to run the football. They were primarily healthy on the offense at that time, and their defense was able to scrap out a few things to be able to keep teams from dominating them up front. And that's ultimately how the Colts got off to such a hot start. Yes, they did. And I mentioned two of their last seven, them losing two of their last nine. Only two of them were blowout losses to the Titans and Saints, but in football, all close losses sometimes aren't that close. Some positives you can take from that stretch, though. What do you think about that? Well, I think positives that you could take from the losing stretch that we had. I mean, if you look at a lot of the games where obviously the games were close and the defense was put in a lot of really bad situations. Uh, they gave up points a lot of times because our offense put the other team in the best position to score. I was at the Miami Dolphins game where unfortunately we lost in Indy and there were multiple times where Miami started their drive in our territory because of bad special teams play or throwing interceptions that resulted in them being on our side of the field right away. So, I mean, how many times can you do that and keep teams from winning if your offense is just going to keep putting you in that position? It's It was nice to see that over the span of that losing stretch that the Colts were still able to actually run the ball still, uh, not very consistently, but were able to run the ball especially against Jacksonville. That was really fun to see. And obviously this defense still has a lot of work to do. Like I said, they're really young, especially in the secondary. When you have Rocky Sin, who is having to replace 
Pierre Desir for what was it? Five games that Pierre Desir missed in a row during that stretch. It's really tough to win when your best corner is not playing. And obviously Kenny Moore didn't play a few games at the end of the season as well. This Colts secondary is really good when they're healthy, but when they're not healthy, that's just obviously a different story. Uh, One thing that I definitely, I was talking about last week, uh, Bobby Okariki and Kahari Willis both had a bunch of good times in there when they were in. They made some plays late in the season that kind of just made you think, wow, the future's relatively bright for the, for these guys. And it was good to see them get some, you know, some time out there, get some experience, especially along those starters. It's good for Kahari Willis to learn right beside Malik Hooker and Bobby Okariki to be right next to Anthony Walker, given how dynamic that linebacker core is for us. And also, like I said, the Kamiko Ture, I know it was early when he got hurt, but we do have Kamiko Ture and a couple other guys on that defensive line that are young that are going to get a lot more chances to make some good plays. So even though we weren't winning, you could appreciate seeing all these guys, especially on defense, getting the time and the experience to learn and be able to better prepare themselves for next year when the Colts are going to look to make another push. Yes, they will. I think they'll be right back in contention. And you mentioned those young guys taking some positives, a lot of positives from them. They had three guys make the PFF all-rookie team. Yasin, you mentioned, mm-hmm. Okariki, a few studs there, and Chase McLaughlin. They all made the PFF's all-rookie nice. team. Uh, Chris Ballard, we mentioned that press conference he had today. A few uh, headlines came out of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Brissett, and right now he is our quarterback. I mean, you said it perfectly. What else is he going to say? Um Eric Ebron, though, when asked about his uh, Eric Ebron upcoming free agent, Ballard asked about his availability. His uh, response was, "We'll probably move on." Was that shocking to you at all? And not in the in the way he said it. Yes, the the fact that he did say it, not necessarily. Uh, I know Ballard uh, when it comes to he wants to keep everybody accountable, right? And we've kept saying that. You know, Eric Ebron, this is your your spot right here, bro. You're number one. You're, this is your spot right here. I know, obviously, Brissett wasn't getting you the ball that much, but you made it your responsibility to go to coach and tell him, I want to be more involved in this offense, man. I want to help make plays. And he he didn't do that. He didn't do that. They got him involved, but he didn't do that. So I'm sorry, you know, when you're, not being as productive for the team as you claim yourself to be or can be, then you're going to most likely move on from it. Especially since we know Eric Ebron, if he was going to have another good season, he was going to want to have a relatively decent contract. And obviously with the three-year extension that we gave Doyle, that was going to be a little bit difficult to keep uh, Ebron around as well. I know I'm kind of conflicted with how this all ended. You know, I'm a, I'm a big Eric Ebron guy. I love his personality. I think he's a great guy. I mean, I even have one of my tweets liked by him the other day. So that was the highlight of my Twitter career right there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, not everything works out. You know, he was 
a really good tight end when he had number 12 throwing in the football. And right now he just isn't the same with number seven throwing in the football. And as much as I think he wants to stay, I think he knew that he was losing this fan base. He was losing accountability with the GM and everything was just not meant to be in the end. So, you know, as, as unfortunate as it is to see him go, I understand why they're doing it. Uh, I, I wish him all the best and I hope that we can continue to uh, build on this tight end group now. Cause we still have a bunch of good tight ends to be put into use. Agreed. I mean, my follow-up question, if you didn't address it, was going to be, how do you think that affects the room? And you said it perfectly. They got Doyle, they got tight ends they are ready to replace. And we haven't even entered the offseason yet officially, so I think they'll make some additions, obviously, to their core uh, wide receivers, their skill group, a lot on the offense, and I think that'll come to fruition with the tight ends naturally, whether that's Doyle or some combination of new additions. Um, their biggest needs will address uh, the news this week that left tackle Anthony Costanzo, uh, rumored retirement. And uh, we talked a little bit about the running game and how that was their strength to the team, their defining factor. He, if he does retire, how do you think that affects the running game? <sighs> I don't even want to talk about that, to be <laughs> completely honest. Make it stop. Um <laughs> Let's see if he ultimately retires. Well, here's the issue is that I would have said in years past that it wouldn't have been as much of a big deal because Anthony Costanzo was never really considered a run, a run blocking left tackle. He was always more of a pass guy this season with obviously Quentin Nelson being around him. uh, Costanzo's had to up his game for good reason, because now Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson are run-blocking machines. He kind of had to step his game up. And Costanzo, I said it on our podcast that he's, I don't think you could replace Anthony Costanzo at the moment. I think he's up there with the best of the elite left tackles out there right now. I mean, he only gave up three sacks this year, and his pass and run-blocking efficiency were through the roof compared to last year. So, it's really difficult for me to sit here and say that if he retires, what do we do? I don't know what we do. (laughs) I mean, the best thing that you could do right now, the the best replacement you could do at the moment is re-sign Joe Haig and put Haig at left tackle, or you could potentially move Smith. But then again, I don't really want to move Smith because I he's so young and he's been in that position now for a while. So I, I don't know. Haig is the only other replacement I could think of that at left tackle at the moment could help us, but it's really difficult to replace a guy such as Costanza, which why I'm really, really hoping that he's not considering it because I know he said that, but I mean, We obviously know it's not health-related. He said he feels the healthiest he's felt ever since he was drafted, so that's a plus. We we know he's comfortable where he's at. Chris Ballard and Frank Reich love the guy. There's there's nothing wrong with his status. I think ultimately this might have to do with money. I I honestly think so because he's 
32 years old. He's getting up there in age. How long does he think he can keep going with this? I I don't know. And (laughs) I really, really hope it's not retirement because if it is retirement, somebody just hit me with a baseball bat, please. I I can't take this anymore. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Two, uh, two off seasons of unexpected and unpleasant retirements. I don't think would be too, too appealing to you and kind of put it. Yeah. Um, that becomes a need if he retires, obviously, outside yep. of quarterback. And we discussed their quarterback needs, and we could talk about that another juncture, another time. Outside of quarterback, their biggest need on offense, what is that to you? Uh, on offense, it's obviously wide receiver. I know that we have the foundation of wide receivers that we want, but ultimately you have T.Y. Hilton, who's getting older. At some point or another, He's going to wear down uh, probably in the next two or three years, and he's not going to be able to use utilize that speed anymore. Devin Funches, a one-year guy, and he's already shown that he's had injury problems. And Paris Campbell's kind of the same thing. We, we just don't know what to expect from Paris Campbell right now. I mean, ultimately, the issue with this whole wide receiver core is injuries. Nobody can stay freaking healthy. That's the issue. Every single one of these guys has an issue. You need to try to find that big-bodied, no-injury type guy. Obviously, he's going to have injuries. Of course he is. But I'm talking just like guys that, you know, they play through the small crap. And just a guy that can change plays. We already have the speed. I'm not worried about speed. I'm worried about a guy who can make those possession catches, make the best play that we need, be that Mr. Reliable, kind of what a Reggie Wayne used to be. So that's what I'm looking for. And I will say this, if the Colts aren't in the market for a quarterback, um, and by some weird reason, they decide not to go with a quarterback in the first round. There's a lot of wide receivers in that first round that they can oh, dabble yeah. with. You got C.D. Lamb. You got Justin Jefferson. You got a bunch of guys out there that can really ball. And I'm super excited to see who they go with. And they I, they have a couple second rounders, which I think a couple of Ohio State wide receivers will still be around. Uh, there's a bunch of other guys that will still be around. Uh, Jerry Judy in the first round too, if he's not already taken in the top 10 could be a potential one. But like I said, there's a lot of wide receivers that I can name in the second round that the Colts might still go for. But yeah, if there's one need outside a quarterback that they need right now, it is a a true wide receiver. Yeah, it is. If there ever was a year though, for them to have the need at wide receiver, this is the year considering (laughs) that draft that we talked about. I mean, yeah. What a deep wide receiver draft this year. On the defensive side of the ball, defensively, what do you think their biggest need is? It's obviously an interior defensive lineman because we already know we have the pass rushers. Uh, we have Justin Houston still. Jabal Sheard is a veteran that can uh, defend against the run really well. Kamiko Ture, Tyquan Lewis have both shown that they can come in and play. Uh, Muhammad has a chance to play a little bit. I would not be surprised if Grover Stewart beats out possibly Marcus Hunt for that interior defensive lineman starter spot this year because 
Grover Stewart actually got some sacks this year. He he made some plays at times when you didn't know he was in. Um, for as much expectations as we put on Danico Autry to kind of replay, uh, re redo the season that he had in 2018 when he had nine sacks and, you know, we're like, Oh, this guy could potentially get our 10 sacks. You know, we thought he was going to have the season that Justin Houston had. And we thought the roles were going to be reversed, but Danico Autry finished the season with three and a half sacks, a mere and utter disappointment uh, from him. So we truly need that interior defensive lineman that can get a push up front and can get pressure on the quarterback. Agreed. I would put, I would put it there as well. I think we're both aligned on wide receiver and interior defensive lineman, but uh, honestly, and I think you'd agree. One of the biggest disappointments and negatives for them this season was their kicking game. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you think that impacted them this season? I mean, a lot of big outlets were, I mean, painting it as the big reason why they're losing games, but obviously many factors go into that. Do you think it had that large-scale effect on them this season? In the first nine games that they played, absolutely it did. Uh, Obviously, they lost two or three games this year off of kicking for the most part, and they almost lost a couple more of them because of Adam Vinatieri. So, you know, kicking was a huge issue. Uh, special teams in general was a big issue. We had a couple of issues with kick returns being fumbled by Paris Campbell and a few others. And obviously Adam Vinatieri missing a lot of extra points and field goals. You can't have that. You just can't have that. And it truly is sad to see the goat of all kickers and a sure first ballot hall of famer like himself have to go down like that. But Obviously, his career is over. There's a reason they signed a chase to a one-year extension because they know they want to keep him around. Uh, yeah, in the first, obviously, when they played in Los Angeles, uh, Vinatieri lost them that game. It was all on Vinatieri. I don't care what anyone says about it. It was on Vinatieri. That's the reason we lost that one. And obviously, a few others that came down to some kicks that he missed. Obviously, some big issues there, but, you know, it's one thing to miss field goals. I can understand that field goals are difficult, especially when, you know, you're having to adjust where you're at and you, it could be a 50 yard field goal. It could be an odd 22 yard field goal that you're having to kick with a different side of your foot, but extra points are something you practice a hundred times a day at practice. How do you miss? How do you miss almost 30% around 30% of your extra point attempts that that can't happen. You can't. It, it's inexcusable. And it really is depleting for a team after just having a big momentum boost. So, you know, it, it the kicking game was a big reason why this Colts team was not, you know, reaching that peak level at the early part of the season. But it's good to see that they were able to figure some things out with Chase. And obviously, I think they found their new punt returner and Naheem Hines. That's a pretty much no-brainer at this point. So it's good to see that the Colts have a, a better direction of what they're going to be doing special teams-wise going into next year. Agreed. They got a big offseason ahead of them. And uh, I look forward to having you on more times throughout the offseason to discuss and 
that big quarterback question, I think that'll be a hot topic yeah. for us to talk about this year. Oh, yeah. But uh, like I said, happy to have you on. Happy to discuss with you. Where can we find your stuff, your Twitter, all that? Plug it. Yep, I got you. Uh, well, I, I got two podcasts for everyone. Uh, be sure to look up the Third Down Squad podcast where my friends and I break down everything NFL. Uh, Bring the Juice Colts podcast at PTJ Pod on Twitter. And you guys can follow me on Twitter at Derek underscore larger. Uh, appreciate everyone for letting me do this. Uh, I, I love interacting with Colts fans on Twitter, even though some of you people I just can't stand half the time. <laughs> but I love all of you, though. It, it's fine. You know, it's just how Twitter is. But yeah, Chris, thanks so much for letting me do this. And I, I would love to come back on sometime. Of course. Awesome. Well, Another episode of the kickoff in the books. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that. Follow the Zone Press on Instagram and the Zone Press on Twitter. Looking forward to putting out more episodes and keeping it going all off season long. Thank you again, Derek.